We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded is in you also. Say it was in them it must be in you. Say it was in them it must be in you. Very very interesting. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on my hand. Say stir it up. You ever stirred anything? I mean, instantly you think of stirring this. Have you ever known someone that could stir something? I mean, they weren't stirring faith, but they could just walk in a room and stir. Come on, you're thinking of somebody right now. You're, You're thinking of that person that walks in your life, and they just stir. I'm that dude this morning. I'm going to stir up your faith. You've been apathetic. You've been sitting on fire, and yet you haven't. You ever known anybody that could just provoke, never mind, which is in you through the laying on of my hands? For God has not, say not, given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He said, you're not supposed to be living in fear. You're supposed to be walking in the power and the love and the sound mental capabilities. And listen, that came from the faith that was in your grandmother and the faith that was in your mother. And that faith is down in you. If you'll stir it up, fear will go. Power will come. Oh, you're not. We cannot underestimate the value of how mothers have shaped our lives. We cannot underestimate how mothers and grandmothers, women in general, have shaped our lives. It's a study done not long ago, actually, where they took 20 newborn babies and they told the caregivers, change their diapers, feed them a bottle, but other than that, I don't want you to touch them, I don't want you to pick them up and console them, I don't want you to rock them, I want you to feed them and change their diapers. Ten of them died within eight weeks you cannot live without being nurtured. You will never live without hearing the heartbeat of the one. You were never designed to go it alone. The nurturing ability of a woman for a child is necessary, if not imperative, to the life of every living organism. Whether it's human or something else, it must be nurtured and it must be cared for. You have to understand that when Mary said yes, her life would be marked both by mystery and by miracle. I cannot explain to you 
this whole thing of motherhood. It is a mystery and it is a miracle, one after the other. I wished I could explain it, but I cannot. On the one hand, the birth of Christ was celebrated by strangers. On the other hand, there were people that were trying to kill him, and the parents had to go into a protective mode. This Christ who would welcome everyone into his life was not always received that way. He lived as a stranger in many ways to all of us. And yet it was his mother who became his number one fan. It was his mother who would understand his identity and his mission. It was his mother that understood that this was the word of God made flesh and that in him was the fullness of God made known and that God was within her child. They were one and the same. That they were here to reconcile man to God. Surely Mary must have shared with this child the miracle of the virgin birth, she would have shared with him what the angels sang and what the shepherds said and what the wise men gave. She would have shaped his identity, not waiting on him to behave, but before he ever behaved, she shaped his morality and his sense of purpose and his identity. No wonder on the cross, the last thing he said was, here is my mother. Here is your mother. Take care of her. He didn't say take care of Peter, James, and John. He said take care of my mom. And that was the last person that he cared for and comforted. He elevated for us the way we should care for women. We live in a world where everybody has an opinion about the Me Too movement. Can I just say the words of Christ? Take care of your mother. Elevate women. Extol the church should be the place where women are cared for the greatest. We will never, cannot ever underestimate the value of how women have shaped our lives. Shaped us, how we view ourselves. Shaped how we view our father, the world, other people around us. They are women who tell us the story, who say, you is kind, you is smart, and you is important. It is women that do that, not men. It is women that tell us God's not angry with us. It is women that do not look forward to our beating or our punishment, but rather it is women that come to restore and renew and to forgive 70 times 7. It is a mom who picks us up. Jesus didn't come to change God's mind about you. He came to change your mind about God. We must understand that mothers help us to see God as he really is. That when we look at our mothers, we begin to understand that God loves us. That faith that was in your grandmother, that faith that was in your mother, I am convinced that that faith is in you. Stir up that faith. Don't stir up your denominational faith. Don't stir up your doctrinal faith. Stir up the faith you saw in that little old lady that kept baking you cookies and pie. Mothers always help us to see the best and know the best. They always are the ones that are there when nobody else is. They always reveal to us that reality. Stir up that faith, Timothy. That faith that was handed down to you. That faith you didn't get to make up. The Father's house is not trying to do something innovative or new. We're trying to recover something that was very old and was protected within the families of those that came before us. It's genuine. Stir it up. It's that 
that is larger and bigger than. I, I mean, it has always been women like Rahab and Ruth. And if you don't know who Rahab is, she's a Gentile woman that gave covering for the spies. If you don't know who Ruth is, she's the Moabite that said, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. And she adopted the God of other people. And through both of those women was the lineage of King David. You hear me, we pay attention to women and we understand that they are the ones that feed the prophet Elijah even when they have not enough for themselves. We pay attention to women and we understand that it was a Shunammite that created a room for the prophet Elisha. If we pay attention from the beginning to the end, we recognize that without women, without those kinds of beings that nurture and care and reveal the love of God in the midst of tragedies and trials, that in the midst of our own weaknesses, in the midst of our own failings, that it is generally a woman that is there to take care of us and feed us and bring us to that next level in our own lives. That it takes faith, not only in God, but in the child that lives inside of every one of us. We have to remember the faith of our mothers and our grandmothers. Remember my grandmother's faith. I, I remember how they would tell me they had seen the hand of God. I remember how they would tell me if I could be any disciple, I'd just be Andrew. All Andrew did was bring Peter to the Christ. I, I remember my grandparents praying over a bowl of beans or dough, and it would increase somehow. I remember my grandmothers telling me, Dwayne, they just ignorant people. When they would spit on us because we were Native American, they just ignorant people. They don't know no better. My grandmother's response to racism was they don't know no better. They're good people. They just don't know no better. And then she'd clarify to me, them stupid people. <laughs> stupid people know better and don't do better. I, I got my definition of ignorant and stupid from my grandma. I understood that she believed that all people were good. I understood what she said when it just don't ring right, Dwayne. She didn't have scripture and verse, but in her heart she knew. She kind of discerned something. This faith that's been passed on that you don't get to make up, that's been handed to you, guard it, protect it. Stir it up. It's been entrusted to you. You have to be obedient unto that faith. You have to continue in that faith. Be strengthened by that faith. Stand in that faith. Understand there is one faith, one Father, one God, one Jesus, one baptism, one Lord of us all. There is not 30 or 40 or 50,000. There's not the way you think it is and the way you think it is. There is one faith, and it's the faith that is born in the heart of a mother and a grandmother that loves at all times believes the best and never fails. That's the faith that you need to stir up, Timothy. That's the faith, church, you've got to stir up this morning as you hesitate over doctrinal conversations, over the pains of other people. Stir up that genuine faith that just says, I'm your mother. It's a mystery. It's not individual, it's not institutional, it's not intellectual. It's born out of the reality that God is who he says he is. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Let me put it another way. Faith comes by hearing it from your mother. Oh, you didn't get it. Faith comes by hearing it through a being who you know loves you unconditionally. 
If someone's teaching faith to you, but you don't know that they love you unconditionally, you're not going to buy their faith. That's why many people today don't have any faith. It's because the people that are telling them to have faith don't love them. And until someone knows they love, you love them, they ain't going to care what you preach. Oh, well. See, that kind of faith sees beyond what you are and sees what you're going to be. That kind of faith looks above and is transcendent and understands that this is your victory, your faith. That victory isn't won by what you achieve or what you accomplish or even by what you are able to give to yourself, but that victory has to do with who you believe you are in Christ. Paul said, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Can I tell you that the prize that we're all working for is to stay in faith? To stay in faith in spite of the trials and tribulations and our own failings and weaknesses. To stay in faith even when nothing looks like we should. To stay in faith even though we want to give up and cash in and give up. Even when everything's against us and we're running. That, to keep the faith is to remember. Oh well. I love what he says to Jude. Beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. There's not enough of that going on. Can I just suggest to you that we're living in a world that doesn't want to look at that verse? We're living at a church worldwide that doesn't want to read that verse. They want to black it out with a highlight mark. Build your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. He's making me pray in other tongues. No, pray in English. I don't care whether you pray in English or Swahili, but bless God, let God do the praying. Don't you do the praying. You do the praying as, oh God, give me this. Oh God, do this. Oh God, stop that. Oh God, this is horrible. Oh God. No, that's you. Praying in the Holy Ghost is when it's all focused by God. And generally he's praying answers, not problems. Oh well. Generally he's blessing those who you don't like. General, oh well, you'll get this in a minute. Reason why you have no faith is you're not letting him pray. Oh well. Because he'll always speak good things, always. Listen, it was in your mama, it was in your grandmama. You need to stir that up. How then? Did you get to any of that? Say with me, it was in them. It must be in me somewhere. It's got to be down in there somewhere. Because Paul laid hands on me and said it was down in there. So it must be down there. Paul confirmed that the faith that was in me is, why do you dedicate children? Because I'm calling on the faith of their parents. I'm calling on the faith of their parents. I'm calling them parents to instill with inside. So Heather, did you listen to Heather last week? Man, she good, isn't she? He chip off the old block. I'm telling you, fruit is right there. I love that girl. She can preach. I'm, I, I, I was out on my lawnmower mowing my yard yesterday, and I had to stop. It's only the second time in history I've had to stop mowing my yard because there was a preacher in my ear. How many of you mow your yard with a preacher in your ear? Then why mow the yard? I, I don't understand. I always listen to preachers when I'm mowing the yard, and I got them in my ear, and I'm mowing across the backyard, and she says this thing, and I just get off the mower. I get off the mower, and I sit down, back that thing up. You know, they make this thing called a podcast, and it's on your phone. You can download my podcast. If you, if you want to critique what I have to say, you can back up and take notes. And I get off because she makes this statement, God, Jesus didn't come to correct us. 
but to connect us. I don't care if you didn't get a darn thing out of anything else she had to say. That is good right there. He didn't come to correct us. Well, if he didn't come to correct us, what are you doing? Man, that shut 90% of the church up. 90% of the church would have nothing else to say if they couldn't correct or critique. If they, if they couldn't do that, they'd have nothing. Zippo. I think there's too much stuff going on in the church. I think they need to shut. Never mind. He didn't come to correct us. He came to connect us. Say connect. Did you know that when you got born again, you didn't get born again to free will to Disneyland. You got born again to be connected. You got born again so that you could break the connection to the world and grab a hold of the connection to the kingdom. You were born again to reconnect with that which had been lost. You were born again to reconnect to a relationship that you once had. Something broke the relationship. It was called the fall. And just because you fell didn't make you bad. Listen to me, you fundamentalist people that are so stuck on the sin of the other person. They fell, but they're not bad. They fell down. The bad person is the person that refuses to help somebody up when they fall. The really bad person is the one that won't do it under the leash. The really bad person are the people that walk by the guy laying on the road. The good person's the guy that helps the person up. The church ain't helping nobody up. They're talking about sin and miss the point. They fell. Jesus came to help you up. He came to lift you up and restore your connection to the Father. Somebody made you fall. In fact, somebody pushed Adam and Eve. Jesus comes to restore. Are you listening? Jesus didn't come to correct. He came to reconnect us to our relationship with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? Where do we look around and find the spirit of a mother? I'm shifting. Where do we look around and find the mothering of those of us who have been born again and we're children in this thing called the body of Christ? We're children in the faith. Maybe grandma didn't have it, and maybe Mima didn't have it, but we're born again into this thing and we're trying to find somebody who can help us in the faith. Am I making any sense? I got to take you back to 2 Samuel chapter 17, and I got to talk to you about how David is running from a son who's trying to kill him. He's being run out of the kingdom, he's being run out of his house and away from the temple, and he's running for his life. It's a bad day. People have accused him, robbed him, trying to take his throne from him, trying to deceit him and take him out of his place as a child of God. Have you ever felt like somebody's trying to take you out of a place as a son and a daughter? They're cre- Am I making sense? Anybody ever felt that way? Just felt like a hall of hell had been released on you and nothing you did seemed right. That every other time you turned around, the water heater was going out, the tire was flat, and everybody was just against you. And you ever felt like that? And David's running for his life. 2 Samuel chapter 17, I can tell you the verse if you want to go to it. Verse 28, he he runs out there into the desert and he comes across a bunch of Muslims, a bunch of sheiks, a bunch of Arabs, a bunch of Palestinians. Palestinians, I don't know where that came from. (laughs) That wasn't tongues, that was just a slip. 
He runs out there, and I ain't reading the first part of it, because if I can't say Philistine, Palestine, I can't say them words for nothing. (laughs) But they brought him beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour, parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese for David and for the people that were with him to eat. And they said, these people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. David was running for his life, and he came across somebody that actually was his enemy, but he was in the wilderness, and he reached out, and he grabbed the rope of the tent. And when he grabbed the rope of the tent, the people in the tent says, that's an honored guest. Because the law of hospitality says that if any stranger grabs your tent, knocks on your door, rings your doorbell, walks into your church, that it is a blessing in disguise. It is an angel sent from God. That that stranger represents God himself. That he's the lowest and the least. And when David needed it the most, he knocked on the door. He hit the doorbell. He grabbed the tent stakes. And they started running food and water and TV direct and and if you got an enemy that enemy is now my enemy and I'll fight for you until I die the law of hospitality says if you're a stranger in a wilderness you can walk up and lay your hand on their tent and I'll make them take care of you I'll cause them to provide for you because you're an honored guest Are you listening to me? It's actually found in the Old Testament. It was an unwritten but rigid law. Because the book of Exodus says, Also you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were a stranger in the land. And you'll not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children, but you will love your neighbor as yourself. And David needed a refuge. He needed a sanctuary. He needed to come in under the shadow of the Almighty. But because God had set up an unspoken, unseen, unreal world, David reached out and grabbed that. And he wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Are you listening to me? David is sitting in the tent of three sheiks. He's sitting in that tent, and yet he understands that the provision that was being given to him, the generosity and the goodness was coming from God. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me in the tent of my enemy, and you have prepared a table for me in the presence of mine enemy. He kept writing, he who dwells in the secret place. Talk about secret place. This is the tent of an enemy. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Are you here? This law of hospitality is seen throughout the scriptures. Abraham and Sarah made room for three angels. Fed them a meal and got a promise. Lot received the angels, brought them into his house, and protected them from the evil society around them. The woman in Sherephath, she fed her last meal to the prophet. The Shulamite prepared a room for the prophet that he might be sustained. It has always been women that knew how to be hospitable. It is always women that knew how to make the dough go a little further. It is always women that when the knock on the door, yeah, bring them on in. It is a law of this book That if a stranger comes knocking on your door, 
you let them in. And David understood that it was God's provision. It was God's provision. And he said, when I look out from under the shadow of this tent that's being provided for me by three sheiks in the wilderness of my life, I begin to praise God for the provision that's mine. Are you in the room? That's being mothered. That's mothering. That's being cared for. That hospitality. That, 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 that sharing your basins and your bread and everything you got. That! Hmm. We have underestimated the power and the privilege that it is. You, you, you could have a king knocking at your door that's in trouble. You could have a king who is going through hard times. Listen, it's you American people that think of people going through hard times, it's their fault. That they're just getting what they deserve if they had only been better with their money. Look, you better be careful. That may be a king who's fallen on hard times. It's being attacked by a spiritual reality. And you may have the opportunity to bless a king, and you're going to miss it because you're critical of the circumstances that the king finds himself in. I'm preaching good. David said under that tent, one thing I have desired. We sang it this morning. See, it may not look like it, but you're sitting under the tent of God. While I'm picking on those that should be offering, let me pick on you that are sitting under the provision of another. Let me look at some of you and say, you're sitting under the provision of another. You've just not appreciated it. You're you're sitting in a tent that someone else provided for you that's gone out of their way to give to you, and you're not understanding that God's taking care of you even in the situation that you're in. That God's the one that's allowing you to make payments. Oh, you're not getting it yet. The God's the one allowing you that you don't even realize how good God's being to you in America. Oh, well. You've missed the point. You should be singing like David sang. You should be lifting up your voice. Everything going to be all right. It all going to be all right. Hmm. Look at this incredible God that's doing these incredible things. When I read 2 Samuel, I'm beholding the character, the disposition of God. I'm beholding his mindset. I found that in the midst of the world, there was this hospitality. There was this mothering reality that was going on all around me. Well, that's the Old Testament. What does that mean to you and me today? Then the king will say to those on his right... Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, found in the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. It didn't end over here. When Jesus showed up, he said, the way we're going to determine between the goats and the sheep is not whether they smoke or drink or run with the folk to do. The way we're going to determine whether they go or don't go to heaven is going to be determined by the way they treat people that are hungry and naked and without. All of you that think you're going to be righteous because you don't smoke, don't drink, don't run with the folk that do and judge homosexuals, you better listen to me. Because the book says that you're going to be evaluated by the way you treat strangers. 
That's the book. It's found in Matthew 25. If you're going to argue with me, you're going to have to argue with this. It's in red. It's in red. And he said, the way you treat them is the way you treated me. That I'm going to come to you as a stranger. I'm going to come to you as the poor and the blind and the lame. I'm going to come to you every day and give you an opportunity to treat me the way you sing about me. And if you ignore those, then you're not going to go this way. Oh, notice how quiet this fundamental moralistic religious right church gets when I preach the truth. Are you listening to me? We've been focused on all kinds of stuff and we're not hearing what he says to us. And it's right there in the book. If you keep going, he says it again in Luke 14. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and then you will be blessed because you cannot be repaid for it. Listen, I have people all the time tell me, you just let anybody come to that church. Uh-huh. Are you listening to me? You listen to me, Father's house. He didn't leave a doctrine. He didn't leave a denomination. He didn't leave a set of rules. He left a church. He left 11 people who were forgiven. He left 11 people who knew how to love one another. He left 11 people. He left a community. This world is struggling for authenticity. They're struggling for genuine faith, genuine church. We're supposed to be a community of people that let every addict in that wants in. We're supposed to be a community of people that every broken hearted, messed up, mentally disturbed person that wants in. We're supposed to let every one of you that are lying about being righteous in. We're supposed to be let every one of you posers in. We're supposed to just let everybody that can't do anything in the house. And we're supposed to do that because by doing that, we're loving Jesus. And by doing that, we're mothering. Are you listening to me? Some of you, I got right. Listen, Jesus was a refugee. He was begging in. I don't care your political stance. The word of God trumps every bit of it. Moxie moron. That's... It trumps it. If it's a refugee, if it's a stranger, if it's hungry, if it needs something, are you listening to me? We're going to be evaluated by this. If you think I'm going to not be prophetic, you came to the wrong place. I ain't here to tickle your political ears. I ain't here to tickle your pet peeve. I'm here to preach the word of God to you. We're supposed to be mothering the world. We're supposed to be caring for the disenfranchised, the blind, the lame, the people that can't add anything to us. Some of you are going, I don't know why I came this morning. Because you needed to hear this. Well, what does this have to do with Mother's Day? Listen, there are a lot of people that didn't have the mother you had. There are a lot of people that didn't have the grandmother you had. You weren't raised with Cindy. There's a lot of people. And they need fathers. And they need mothers. 
And we're supposed to be fathers and mothers. We're supposed to be that. And you need to hear me. This house is going to remain nurturing and forgiving. It's going to remain open to the blind and the lame and the drunk and the insane and the liars and the thieves. Are you? Are you? And I'm going to jump up and down every time I see somebody walk in. I'm just absolutely going to throw my arms around them. Are you listening to me? Why? Because I got grandma's heart. Because I got grandma's faith. I don't know whether I got Nazarene faith or Lutheran faith or 21st century evangelistic faith. I don't know. But I got grandma's faith down in here. Because both my grandmothers, I'd say, Grandma, why are you making so many beans? Well, your grandpa will invite somebody to dinner. I know he will. I said, Grandma, I think I can only eat one pie. And she said, the Lord to show me who to take this one to. I said, Grandma, we got beans from 1962. And it's 1976. And she'd say, oh, Dwayne, there's somebody in the church that's going to need them beans. Are you listening to me? My grandparents had Zipola, but they had a garden. They had them glass jars. And they'd take that garden, they'd put them glass, that garden in them glass jars. And then we never went to church without grandmother having glass jars in the back seat. And she'd see somebody. <laughs> My grandparents would kill their own pigs. I know, some of you are going, whoa. We couldn't afford no. So my granddad Riley, he'd kill that pig and he'd make that bacon. They'd wrap it up and they'd, they'd deliver it. I didn't get this faith from reading even that book. I didn't get this faith from listening to no sermon. I didn't get this faith because I'm trying to react to a culture. I got this faith from my grandma and from my mama. I got this faith because every time I'd take a kid home and walk in the back door, Annie would go, sure, how long can they stay? I got this faith because every time I'd take a family home, I, I took 17 kids home. Not because the courts said we could, but because somebody in this sanctuary would tell me of a kid. Seven, I'm not preaching to you out of my head. I've lived the life in front of you. That kid needed a place to sleep and a meal to eat. I took that kid home. And she'd say yes. Come on. There's 30% of this room. No, I'm not lying. Thank you, kids. Yeah, the children would move out of their bedroom. I took five, I think, six families home. And they move in with us. And every time I'd walk home, she'd say... How many of them? We didn't have much money. But there'd be people in this church that'd give us flour, eggs, stuff. Hmm. Wherefore, as you receive one another as Christ has received us, I love this translation. 
reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. We're supposed to be the continuation of Christ. We're supposed to continue doing what Christ started. Listen, listen. You ought to be shouting to the rooftops. Strangers are welcome. People that are in need, the blind, the lame, the maimed, they're welcome. Let me give you a definition for stranger and then I'll. Strangers are those who are disconnected from the basic relationships of life that give that person a secure place in the world. I'm going to say it again. Strangers are those people who are disconnected from the basic relationships in life that give that person a secure place in the world. Strangers are those who are not viewed as sacred by society at large. Those people are supposed to be welcome within this thing called the church. They're supposed to be received and welcomed. If we do that, then we'll be the mothers that are being hospitable to the people that are going through trials and tribulations. Now, I dare say some of you sitting in this room have received that hospitality. I dare say there's a few of you in this room that have been received and loved like that. And so when people ask me about this church, do that. Be that. Live that. For that is living out the resurrection of Christ today. That takes the resurrection from an event on Calvary and puts it on the street corners of Hutchinson, Kansas. Am I making any sense? That's the living reality. And then don't go blabbing your mouth about some politician's idea. You hear me. You'll be in conflict with God. You'll be in conflict. Live this in every area of your life. Cleanse those thoughts. Be this. Be that person. Live it out. There'll, there'll be no, you, you, the kingdom of darkness wouldn't be able to stand against it. Our prayers would be answered. You want the spiritual gifts to come? You want miracles to come? Be this. Be this. Be this. Mothers, thank you. Grandmothers, thank you. It is your faith that has been the seed of my faith. It has been your faith that has nurtured and shaped and molded. I can't tell you how grateful I am to the faith of mothers. Wow. You got really quiet on me. You've offended me, Pastor. Well, think about it. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.